Amen. Thanks, Lee. Good morning, guys. Why don't we stand? I'm going to read uh, God's word to us. Am I on? There we go. So let's read together. This is Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. This is God's word. I guess you can have a seat. How are you guys? Good. If I've not met you before, hello, my name is Tom. There's a new baby in the house. Just want to say hey to baby Hannah. Um, I'm not going to preach. Let's just this baby. That will be. Uh, I just want to show you guys this picture. And I want to kind of start our conversation here. This is an image. Actually, I got a tattoo. This is my first tattoo was this, this image. And this image means something because it's a picture of what this whole story of the Bible is all about. And what your story is, as, as you're trying to become a disciple of Jesus, this is what your story is about. And it's this idea that God is wanting to invade your space with heaven. He wants to make you more like him. He wants to draw close to you. It's all about communion. And so the story of the Bible is this story of heaven on earth being ripped apart into heaven and earth. And God's mission to reunite these two realms once again. And so our daily lives, we're, we're living kind of in, in, that, in that overlap, hopefully, where we, there's, there's glimpses of God's kingdom coming. There's also just the pain of normal life. And the confusion of like, what, what is actually going on? There's, there's loss and grief and pain and there's beauty and there's joy and there's communion and all in that, all of those things happening together. Like God is in that and he's wanting to bring these two realms together completely. He wants you to live in him and he wants to live in you in the words of Jesus in John chapter 17. And so when we're thinking about prayer, this same thing applies. How do we learn to pray in such a way that brings heaven to earth? How do we pray the way that Jesus prayed? How do we pray with this in mind that, okay, this is the story I'm a part of? Because I don't know about you, it's, it's, it's easy to forget what story my life is a part of. Anyone else? Anyone else seen um, Stranger Than Fiction, the, the movie with Will Ferrell? Where it's like, it's a great movie. But he's, he's basically going around and, and he's realizing that he hears this voice and it's like um, the voice of this narrator, this, this person that's writing a story. Everything the person writes ends up happening in his story. And so he's like, what is happening? And he's trying to figure out, is my story a comedy or a tragedy? So he goes through all these things and he has this little notebook and he's marking like funny things that happen and terrible things that happen. And I think that can be our story. We're not, we're not sure, God, are you actually a part of my life? What are you doing here in this world? 
And I think it's so important for us, even as we're going to be thinking about the Lord's Prayer, that God wants to root us and ground us in this story. That he has a purpose and a plan for your life and for your family's life and for your community's life and, and beyond that into the whole world where God is on this mission to reunite heaven and earth and God and man. And this is the story we're invited into as we are responding to Jesus' invitation to, hey, come follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. Hey, I'm going to give you forgiveness like Heather was talking about this morning. This is so that we can come into greater awareness of the communion that has been purchased for us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, of course, came and announced the arrival of God's kingdom. And he came to inaugurate, to inaugurate heaven's invasion on earth. I didn't mean to dress in like military fatigues, but it sounds like I'm like a revolutionary. But uh, Jesus came and he unleashed and began a revolution. Or in the language we've been using more recently, a reorientation, right? Where our life was oriented around ourselves and he's inviting us into this world where our life is oriented around him. And what Jesus is essentially saying to us every day of our lives is this. Hey, listen, you have to think differently. The kingdom is here. The place where God wants done is done is breaking in right here, right now into your world, into your normal life. Come with me. Come this way. Turn away from living from your own kingdom and come live with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength with me and my kingdom. Come learn a new way to be human. Come see that I have defeated sin, Satan, death, and darkness itself. Come bow down to me, the true king. Come live with me. Come get to know my father as he really is. So the story that we find ourselves in, my friends, is the story of God reuniting heaven and earth. So a quick question for you. Uh, I, it's great to see some new faces here, but those of you who would have called this church your home, uh, what is our vision statement? Yeah, well done, John. A plus for John. In Alliston as it is in heaven. And this, of course, is from the Lord's Prayer. This is, this is tying us back to that big story. And so last time I checked, Alliston is not very much like heaven, um, uh, at least in my books. But so that we've got some work to do to accomplish this vision. We're invited by Jesus into his mission to reunite heaven and earth to make to, for that invasion to take place. So how do we partner with God? We can feel immense pressure when we, when we read this statement. Okay, I have to do all these things and initiate all these things so that Allison becomes more like heaven. But what if there's something that God wants to show us even in this prayer that will kind of help us kind of think through how we accomplish and partner with God in his story and what he's up to? Um, scholars call this the idea of the dignity of causality. And this means this, that God in his grace has given us the dignity to actually make something happen. But maybe that something or maybe the way that we go about doing that is different than we think it would be or could be. And right away our mind could be filled with different things that you love to do to affect change in our community or in the world. But what if simply learning to regularly and conscientiously pray these 66 words... What if that's what, it, what it's about? It, that maybe that is actually the most effective way we can join Jesus in his revolution. Or summarize in a, a smaller statement, what if the Lord's Prayer is the secret weapon that we've overlooked or forgotten or relegated to those liturgical churches down the street? May I suggest to you, my friends, that if we're going to see our vision accomplished and not just printed at the bottom of our website or mentioned in passing, we must learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. So with that in mind, let me just pray for us and then we'll dive into this text together. Come Holy Spirit. 
we thank you that, God, you're in the room with us, that you care about each and every person in this room, that you know what's going on in their hearts and minds and lives, that you are very aware. And I also want to thank you, God, that you are closer to us than we even are to ourselves and that we can um, learn today um, new things about you. And so we want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would reveal Jesus to us in new and transformative ways. And Jesus, that you would point us to your Father, that we would learn how to um, receive the gift that you've given us. You've, you've gifted us your relationship with your Father. And so we just pray that this morning, as we think about this prayer, as we think about this story that we're a part of, that our wrong thinking, our wrong pictures of you would be um, swallowed up in a greater, more beautiful picture of what you're really like, God. So Holy Spirit, we need your help to do this. I can't do this in my own strength, and we can't do this in our own strength. So just come, Lord, move amongst us. And may we leave here um, and head into this week of prayer and fasting with a new um, desire just to be with you, to know you more. And then, and then in that space where we can trust you, we can rely on you, we can let go of control and just uh, let you have your way. And so we want to ask that this morning. Just come and have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, so the Lord's Prayer. Uh, uh, one of the things, guys, I want to just re-emphasize and reiterate here is we try to be very clear at Anchor Point about our understanding of Christianity. And, and that is that what we're, what we're saying, we want to be Christians, we want to be a church, we want to be a group of people who are taking seriously our discipleship to Jesus. We want to be with Jesus, we want to become like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. He is our example, He is our goal, He is our desire. So it's important that even though we're learning to pray from Jesus this morning, that this, we're not seeing this as like a means to an end. Because the end goal here is Jesus, to be with him, to become like him, and to do what he did. The treasure is Jesus. The reward is Jesus. More intimacy with him, becoming more like him, being formed into his image, joining him on his mission. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? All right. So this prayer, this gift that God has given us in the Sermon on the Mount, is a prayer that God always answers. Does anyone ever struggle like, man, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Maybe we're just doing this wrong. <laughs> that, that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, this is actually God's will for our lives. So when we're, we're struggling through, like, how do I pray? Prayer is difficult. Maybe this is helpful for all of us to learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer. What this prayer does is it forges us and forms us more into the image of Jesus. It is a guide in our communion with God. Great invitation into God's story and what he's up to. Dallas Willard, I shared this quote last week, but it's so helpful. He teaches us how to be in prayer, what we are in life, and how to be in life, what we are in prayer. There's so much to learn for us here in, this, in the Lord's Prayer. So that being said, I think it's incredibly significant that in the middle of Jesus laying out his vision of what heaven on earth would actually look like, right in the middle there, he teaches us a prayer to pray. I think that's not to be overlooked. Um, and in the Gospels, we, we only see one recorded request from Jesus' disciples, and that's for Jesus, to teach them, like, for Jesus to teach them something specific. They could have asked that, like, Jesus, hey, teach me how to raise the dead. How the heck do you walk on water? How do you heal the sick? Maybe even, like, hey, how did you make that table? Maybe he was a good carpenter. Um, but they ask him to pray. I think that's noteworthy. So it's almost like they're saying, hey, whatever it is you're doing here, whatever you know that we don't know, please teach us. And that's my, my desire for us this morning. Prayer is difficult. We, we are bumbling and stumbling and fumbling along, but Jesus wants to teach us something. And I think this is way more significant than we realize. Um, 
I, I don't know about you, but often my prayers are very self-centered. Me, what I need. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And that's not bad. But I think there's something that Jesus wants to teach us to expand our vision of prayer, to deepen our understanding of what it means to partner with him in his mission. Uh, so Jesus begins his teaching on prayer with a few quick reminders or thoughts for his followers. Number one, we talked about this last week, uh, verses five and six. Let me read it again quickly. Prayer is not a performance. He says this. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So first of all, guys, don't make prayer into a performance. This is not a show. He's inviting you just to be yourself. Come show up as you really are. The second thing Jesus says is prayer is not a payment. We have a tendency to say in, a, in what we could say in like eight words and, and 10,000 words. You know, it's like the whole idea like, hey man, that could have been an email. Why do we have to have a meeting about this? Um, the, like, just for some statistics, the Lord's Prayer is 66 words. I'm an American, so there's some American stats here. The Gettysburg Address is 286 words. There are 1,322 words in the Declaration of Independence. But government regulations on the sale of cabbage total 26,911 words. So we have a tendency to just kind of just say a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter. So Jesus is inviting us, hey, man, don't, it's not about how many words you pray or the language that you use or the accent that you say, Lord, God, and amen, and hallelujah in. It's about showing up as yourself, and it's about speaking from your heart. I think it's significant for us to remember who it is who's actually teaching us how to pray. Let's not forget who it is that is instructing us in prayer. One of the things that we can very easily forget as people who grow up in the church, who have been around the church a lot, is Jesus is incredibly, he's a picture of those two circles overlapping. He's fully God and he's fully man. And so there's this beautiful reality here that in this, in this prayer that's being taught to us by Jesus, we're learning from the divine perspective how to pray and from the human perspective how to pray. And so this is Jesus, the son of God, instructing us how to pray. So this is the one who knows the father from eternity past. This is the one who knows how to please the father. We want to learn how to please the father. Jesus can show us how to do that. He is the one who knows the desires of the father. So we would do well to listen to Jesus, the son of God. That being said, he's also Jesus, the son of Mary, meaning he is completely and totally human. He is the one who knows our pain. He is the one who knows our frame. He is the one who was tempted in every way yet was without sin. So he knows the Father and he knows humanity. So again, we would do well to listen to Jesus' instructions on prayer. We can see part of the picture. He can see the whole picture. Yet again, we see the revolution roll on. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of Mary, teaching us to pray the desires of the Father in the midst of the world. The beginning of the Lord's Prayer where he says, therefore, you should pray like this. He's saying, hey, when you pray, pray thusly. And interestingly enough, this is almost like a little mini teaching on the person of Jesus. Because, and I'll just go through this quickly. As, as we think about each line of the, of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus and the Father had an incredible relationship. Jesus expressed the character and nature of God completely and perfectly. That's like the name of God. Jesus embodied the kingdom of God. Jesus' allegiance and obedience was to the Father alone. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the new Passover offering forgiveness to the world. And Jesus is the one who defeats Satan in the wilderness and through his resurrection conquers darkness itself. So again, Jesus knows the human need from the inside out. And as the son of God, he knows what's on the father's heart. 
Only Jesus could, could combine what we need to speak with words that are pleasing to God. These words, more than any others, prayer's words have the power to change the world. Uh, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, idea about the order in which this prayer is, is taught to us. We've been doing a lot of work around this idea of our lives being reoriented around God as we begin to follow Jesus. So again, this, I think it's helpful to have some visuals. We are moving from a life oriented around our, me to self to a life oriented around God. I'm going to keep showing you guys this picture until we all learn how to do this, uh, until Jesus comes back. Um, so in that, the, the other thing with prayer, I think that's significant, is this whole idea of when we live lives that are oriented around us or me, often it's, it's fueled by pride. And when we're learning to pray and learning to live life with God, with him at the center, there's a certain amount of humility that we have to carry into the relationship. Um, we have an undeniable ability to make things all about us, okay? or at least I do. This is a, how, how does this affect me? How does this make me look good or bad? How is this going to prop me up? Or on and on the list could go. And this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is a reorienting prayer. So this could be a very helpful tool for our lives of learning and trying to just kind of reorder our lives around God. So often we get into prayer with just our list of wants and desires, which of course matter to God. But Jesus of course, is offering us a better way to pray. Richard Foster says it this way uh, when we think about the, the Lord's Prayer. It means freedom from self-sins, self-sufficiency, self-pity, self-absorption, self-abuse. Self-aggrandizement, self-castigation, self-deception, self-exaltation, self-deprecation, self-indulgence, self-hatred, and a host of others just like them. It means freedoms from the everlasting burden of having to get your own way. It means freedom to care for others, to genuinely put their needs first, to give joyfully and freely. When we, pro when we focus primarily on ourselves, our prayers stay shallow. There's a focus on shelf, uh, like if we're kind of frame it with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, like we're talking about the Father, but instead we can focus on ourselves. We're talking about making His name holy, but when we pray shallowly, it's about making a name for ourselves. When we're wanting His kingdom to come, we're often talking about, hey God, how, do you, how can you help me build my kingdom? Uh, we're, we're talking about, hey Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. We're often actually saying, hey Lord, help me just get through life as easily as possible. Um, Lord, give me today what I need. We're talking about the, our, our worry rather than our trust in him. Quarrels and conflict avoidance rather than um, being led by God. And then we're often defeated by challenges rather than, hey, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. So let's just think about the Lord's Prayer this way. So I highlighted a few um, different things. Wait for it. There we go. So the first chunk of, of the, the prayer there. The, the pronoun that we see is your, not our. So our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're starting the prayer with our focus and attention on him rather than us. Then the second half of the prayer is give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's two pronouns. There's yours and ours or us. Um, and the, the first three pronouns and are tied to uh, the name of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God being done. And this could be said, like another way of thinking about this is the, the great commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the first half of the prayer, we're talking about the first half of the greatest commandment. The second half of the prayer, we're talking about the second half of the, of the greatest commandment. So your name, your kingdom, your will, our bread, 
forgive us. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we move from God to us rather than from us to maybe not even getting to God in a lot of our prayers. Uh, this, pr- this prioritizes our needs for us. Again, we have a, a bent towards the self rather than others in God. He knows what we need better than we do ourselves. And this prayer, my friends, is all-encompassing. Brandon prayed this this morning, that everything we could ever want to pray for, Jesus sums up in this prayer itself, which is beautiful. And I think it's not about praying these specific words, but the, the, the structure and the form of that is an all-encompassing prayer. Any need you can think of is wrapped up in this prayer. At the center of this prayer is this phrase, on earth, well, well done, Katie, on earth as it is in heaven. This line can be attached to every other line in the prayer as it is shorthand, again, for the mission of God, what he's up to. He's on this mission of making earth more like heaven. This is actually, the, you could sum up the gospel in that one little phrase. So that means the prayer could read something like this. Lord, let your name be made holy on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today bread for today on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors on earth as it is in heaven. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? You guys following that? Like, we're, this is where God's will is done, is, is there. And so how do we see that reality come to bear in our normal everyday lives? There's a really interesting uh, thing I listened to this week. Daryl Johnson is this brilliant biblical scholar. He suggests that the, this Jesus prayer, this, the Lord's prayer, is a thing called a chiasm. Um, and of which th- that center on earth as it is in heaven is the center. The next slide, Katie, would be great with the, there we go. So he suggests that that center line is kind of the key phrase in the whole prayer and that each of these other um, focuses on the prayer. So the top would be the, the your pronouns and the bottom would be the us pronouns. And these, these like kind of focuses. So the name of God, the kingdom of God. Oh, I, I flipped those backwards. Sorry. That's supposed to say the will of God, not the bread of God. So name, kingdom, and will. So the name of God is tied to this idea of temptation. The kingdom of God is tied to this idea of forgiveness and the will of God is tied to this idea of bread. This would be his suggestion. And he's saying that um, the, the, the correlation between name and temptation is this. Sin and evil has something, something to do with a misunderstanding of the true nature of God. Okay, we talked about this a few, a few years ago in our um, face-to-face series that all Satan can do is try to confuse us and minimize and give us a wrong picture of who God is. He can't take away from his goodness and beauty and majesty. He can just try to confuse us about it. And that's this whole idea of temptation. The kingdom of God is tied to this idea of forgiveness, which Heather was talking about earlier. God's kingdom, my friends, is a relational kingdom where it matters how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. And God's will is to give us the bread that we need. God's desire for, is for us to be wholly sustained, to be all that he created us to be. Children of God living life in partnership with him as a kingdom of royal priests. Pretty cool idea. So the idea meaning like at the center of this prayer is the gospel message itself. And there's some type of correlation between what God wants and how that plays out in our normal, ordinary lives. The second thing I want, or the, another thing I want to draw our attention to are the verbs in the prayer. The verbs in the first half of the prayer are in what is called the imperative form, which is a command. So, be hallowed, come, and be done. So, the prayer actually reads in Greek, be hallowed your name, come your kingdom, be done your will. 
And this is interesting because it's almost like a command. And in the Greek language, uh, in a Greek culture, you would never speak in the imperative form to a superior. So who are we praying to? A superior or an inferior? Superior. So imagine going to your boss's office tomorrow and speaking to him in such a way. Like just going in and commanding you change a bunch of stuff at, at your office or, you know, I want better food. I want better pay. I want whatever, more vacation. Or the, you know, you go into the mayor's office or on up to the prime minister where we're just demanding things. Or you're like, our kids at dinner time, um, give me food now. Like that's kind of what it sounds like. But remember, Jesus is revealing the heart of the Father to us, right? So there's something about Jesus instructing us to ask boldly and to remind us of something even more powerful. I was thinking about this. Like, um, I have a very specific sense of humor. And it's interesting when my kids' friends come over, they often don't know how to relate. Looking at me like, is he joking or not joking? And they're, the kids will often be like, he's joking. So there's this, and then the more time they're around me, the more they realize I'm actually kidding or joking, and then they kind of are starting to get, which is great. The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus knows the Father better than we do, just like Theo knows me more than Lucas does. And so what the, what the, more, the, the more Lucas can see how Theo relates to me, the more Lucas can relate to me as I really am. Does that make sense? So Jesus wants to show us what the Father is really like and how to relate to him, and so the more we look at how Jesus relates to the Father, we can share in his relationship with the Father and can pray accordingly. So one of the gifts of the gospel is that we've inherited Jesus's relationship with his Father. So there's something about asking boldly, but this gets to the, the most impressive and beautiful thing about this prayer. The verbs are also in the passive voice, meaning the prayer is not saying, hey, Lord, how do I hallow your name more? How do I make your kingdom come? How do I do your will? We're actually crying out to God and saying, hey, God, you hallow your name. You bring your kingdom and you let your will be done on this earth. Because he is the subject of these verbs. God is the subject of these verbs, not us. We're instructed essentially to boldly ask God to do these things. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Because the reality is he alone can do these things. We can partner with him. We can try to kind of join in with what he's already doing. But all this ties to this bigger idea of us learning to trust God and to learn to depend on God rather than trying to control the situation and manufacture things and manipulate things into happening. The prayer is simply saying, hey, be hallowed your name, Lord. Come your kingdom, be done your will in this earth. And then as that happens in our lives, that will take place. The more we pray that, the more that shapes us and forms us. We will be able to hallow the name of God. We will be able to see the kingdom come in our lives and his will be done in our lives. And this brings us to the very person we're praying to. We're praying to the Father. Dallas Willard has this one line in The Divine Conspiracy that I underlined and highlighted and did a whole bunch of stuff because it just stuck out to me so much. Is it any wonder that Jesus told us to forget everything we think we know about the nature of God and lose ourselves in his picture of, our, of his Father, the one in the heavens? So our pictures of God, guys, as we're learning, we need to come continually surrender them to Jesus's picture of God, because we are so oft, often in our picture of what God is really like. We all carry with us pictures of a father into the room with us, some good, some tragically bad, some middle of the road. But if we're not careful, we can very often conflate the character and nature of God with that of our own father and that of someone other than God himself. Jesus came to show us what the father is really like. This isn't your dad that Jesus is teaching us to address. It is his father who through the scandal of the gospel has become our father. Jesus has shared everything with us in the gospel. 
Everything that's true of Jesus has now become true of us through his life, death, and resurrection. And he's inviting us to learn to see the Father the way that he sees the Father. And the way that in that transaction that we are seen the same way that he is seen by the Father, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. The name of God, who God actually is, is in, the, in Exodus 34, there's this interaction between Moses and God. And he describes himself. He says, this is my name. It's, it's Yahweh. And that's, this, this simply means this. I am God with you and for you. This is the God we come to in prayer. You know, when we pray our Father, we're not praying to your Father. You're praying to Jesus' Father. Um, the very spirit of adoption is, is, the, the, is how the Holy Spirit is referred to, through whom and by whom we cry, cry along with Jesus, Abba, Father. A Father who is capable, safe, infinitely good, and who is closer than we can even know. Augustine famously said, God is closer to me than I am to myself. All of this, my friends, is to draw us deeper and deeper into God himself. The gospel is the good news that through Jesus Christ, we have been brought back into communion with his Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how we pray this, how we learn to live this, how we live our lives as apprentices to Jesus, is learning to appropriate and live this out in such a way in our normal, everyday, ordinary lives. How we manifest this into our everyday interactions with friends and neighbors and children and workplaces. All this stuff is about learning to live from a place of communion with God and that ever-increasing heaven coming to earth in our lives. God's mission to reunite heaven and earth continues to deepen in us when we learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. This means a greater dependence, a greater reliance, a learning to surrender, a living out and walking out in humility, a deeper joy, a sense of empowerment, lived and expressed freedom, asking, seeking, knocking, intimacy. And I just pray that these would be our experiences in an ever-increasing way as we learn to pray the way that Jesus prayed. So how do we learn to implement this into our everyday lives as disciples? Uh, it's pretty amazing to think about over the years, over the centuries, how many millions, if not billions, of followers of Jesus have prayed this very prayer. Um, in the beginning of the church, followers of Jesus would pray this prayer three times a day, morning, noon, and afternoon. And for some of us already, we're thinking, okay, I don't want to just pray this as a script. I am a freedom person. Don't tell me what to do, Tom. And I get that. That's fine. But I think there's something to be said about using this prayer as a, as a kind of a, a guide to how we live our lives. Are you laughing, my wife? I'm, talk I'm not talking to you. I was in maybe, but um, maybe the Lord is talking to you, but... Um, just a quick reminder, another quote. By praying the Lord's Prayer, we are being made into a people whose journey is a sign to the world that God has not abandoned the world to its own devices, but is present as people on the move. A people moving out from their old ways and means, ordinary people who have been given the extraordinary authority to be part of the divine assault upon the realm of evil. It's drawing us up into this bigger story of what God is up to. I think I would suggest that we, and this is where we're going to be heading into this week, is learning how to pray this on a regular basis. How do we pray this in our normal lives? Um, how do we pray this regularly and with petition? Because again, this prayer is to shape us and to form us. It will shape how we pray in normal lives. And we're pray, like what we just did with Lee. I would imagine the more we pray the Lord's Prayer, that would change how we pray for one another on the street. How we pray for one another in normal, everyday, ordinary situations. This is a discipling prayer for the Christian community, and this is a prayer that we have to be careful not to take for granted. So this week, guys, we're going to try to actually practice this. We're going to actually try to make this a part of our normal routine. 
Um, and we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer as a community. And uh, Lee mentioned this, but you guys, if you haven't already, you can go to this website, apallison.com slash prayer and fasting. And what we've done is we've made uh, a daily theme for us tied to the Lord's Prayer with a few prayer prompts and a few scriptures attached to it. So each day this week, we're going to be focusing on a different kind of prompt from the Lord's Prayer. And I would encourage you along with that just to pray the whole Lord's Prayer throughout the day. So there's two guides on there. There's a teach us to pray guide, which would have a day by day kind of guide with a few prompts. And then there would be um, a Lord's Prayer guide, which would be something you could just pray every day in your ordinary time of prayer. I try to pray it first thing in the morning. You can pray it during lunch or whenever you want to pray it, but just let's let's look at and ex- and kind of just try this out. See how how we could implement this in our normal lives. Um, along with that, there is a link to the prayer course that is taught by Pete Grieg and the people from Twenty Four Seven Prayer, which is fantastic, and a link to sign up for a slot in the prayer room. I would really encourage you guys if you haven't already gotten into the prayer room to get into there. Like, call up your friend, say, "Hey, man, let's go pray the Lord's Prayer for an hour." Um, there's a coffee maker in the kitchen if you need coffee. Um, and just make yourselves at home there. So let's, guys, how do, we, how do we take this seriously? How do we actually engage this gift that's been given to us by God? I think I, my prayer is that we don't hear this sermon and be like, yeah, cool, that's great, some verb things, awesome, okay, on earth as it is in heaven, all right. But what would it look like for you to, to learn to live this prayer? To learn to live, okay, okay, our Father, in heavens, our Father who's closer to me than I am to myself. The Father that Jesus knows that I don't really know yet, but I'm invited to learn how to know. Lord, let your kingdom come. Like, let your, let your name be made holy. All these things, how could that affect your normal lives? How do you learn to pray this prayer as a community? How do we learn to implement and see God moving through this prayer to bring his kingdom to bear in our lives so that an Allison can look more like heaven? What would it look like for you to pray this in the morning at the grocery store, on your way to work, when you're cleaning up the dishes, when you're going into a meeting you're dreading, when you're brokenhearted, when you're on top of the world, when you're cutting your grass? I mean, we almost have to cut our grass now, guys. Spring is coming. How do we learn to just mumble under our breath on earth as it is in heaven? On earth as it is in heaven. In Allison as it is in heaven. My prayer is that we allow this prayer to shape us and form us into the image of Jesus. And I would just encourage you guys this week, let's, let's engage this. Let's pray boldly as children of God and let's see what God can do. And so I just want to close uh, this portion of our meeting just by praying the Lord's Prayer. So if you guys want to just stand and then we're just going to pray this together. And then Susie is going to lead us in a song and then we're going to take communion together. So the words will be on the screen. And then we'll pray this and we'll sing together. Let's just take a few deep breaths. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.